Hello and welcome to the Killian Brady Performance Podcast where we discuss everything you need to take your performance to the next level. On this week's episode I'm delighted to be joined by Joseph Farley. Joseph is a career guidance counsellor. The reason I've asked him on to the podcast is I want somewhere for students, leaving such students, to be able to go and listen to get some practical advice on how to manage their situation in these current and uncertain times. Joseph and I discuss how to manage your time, how to get the most out of yourself, how to fill out CEO forms and tips on picking the right course for you. One of the main things Joseph and I discuss and I feel is extremely important is the importance of knowing yourself, knowing what works for you and what doesn't work so you can implement study styles that suit you. So I hope you get a lot of value from this. Joseph, thanks a million for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving up your time. This is an episode that isn't something that I usually do. It's something that's kind of massive, to say the least, at the minute. And that is (laughs) what is going on with the Leaving Cert, how students are reacting and all the rest of it. And I just wanted to get your take on, I suppose, the bigger picture of what's happening. How can we help students? What they should, shouldn't be doing and different things like that. I suppose if we just start off, you want to tell some of the listeners a bit about yourself and your background before we get into all that. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, my name is Joseph Farley. I'm a career guidance counsellor in St. Oliver's in Drogheda. Uh, originally a Cavan man. Uh, studied uh, humanities in Carlo before going on to Trinity and Minute. Uh, worked as an English teacher for four years and then moved into career guidance. And I've been at that the last few years. And kind of living and working privately, uh, working with clients and working in the public school system. So... As far as you are aware and the best that you can describe, for someone that's totally like me, out of the loop when it comes to this stuff, what is the current situation with the Leaving Cert? Currently, with Minister McHugh's announcement, the Leaving Cert is scheduled to take place in the last two weeks of July or the start of August. There's no set date for it, so students in sixth year, who I feel really, really sorry for, uh, are put in a situation that no one has been through before. There's been no playbook for us. And the Minister of Education clarified that there will be a leaving cert that takes place this year. And it's going to take place at some time between the end of July, start of August. And it's going to go ahead as in they will sit the subjects they were meant to sit. The orals have already taken place and students have got full marks for that. And practicals have been pushed back to the end of May. So it's a, they're moving the goalposts. From your experience, what is kind of the reaction from well, your students anyway, or students in general? It's a combination. Some students are delighted to have the extra time to study uh, because they might not have picked up a book yet. Some students are horrified because it might affect their application to studying abroad. Some students are really, really anxious because they don't know what the situation is. And some students are taking it as it comes. They're taking it day by day. It's a real, real mixture. Like, there's no right way or wrong way yeah. to deal with the current situation. It's something that all of us are actually trying to deal with, but yeah. it's adding the pressure of our leaving cert on top of this, which makes it really, really tough for the class of 2020. I think one of the big things too is the length of time now between now and the leaving cert, you know, like it's just extended. So they have all summer to study, wonder, question, you know, it's a long period of time to be kind of left wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's the devil makes work for idle hands. I think that's a phrase we're yeah. all kind of familiar with. Yeah. 
the best thing a student can do is put a plan in place. Yeah. Put that plan in place or listen, I'm going to study for this period of time till this period of time and then just deal with that as it comes. Like there's some students who find it very, very comfortable to get into uh, a room and start studying from nine to four. Some students will be an absolute disaster with that. There has to be a situation where you can find that works best for yourself. Yeah. If you're the type of student who needs instruction, then you click, get that clarification from your teachers where you need to do this, this, and this by this period of time. Or if the type of student who works well by themselves, well, then you make a plan for yourself. But don't think too far ahead. Like, if you can make a plan for tomorrow, mm-hmm. that's a success. Yeah. If you can make that plan and stick to that plan, well, then that's tomorrow taken care of. We don't know what's going to happen in the next period of time, the next three or after, after May 5th. We don't know. So control tomorrow. I think, I think what you said there about finding out what works for you. Like students now, and as you rightly say, it's Easter time. So they deserve to take a break from the study, just as they would on a normal occasion. But the thing about now, they have the time to find out what works for them. So they're not under a strict time pressure as they might have been. So I think now for students, it could be a very beneficial time to get to know themselves and get to know okay, getting up at six o'clock doesn't work for me. I study better after dinner or, you know, after dinner, I kind of go on a downhill spiral where I get nothing done. So I think it's about giving yourself the time to kind of trial and error what works for you because you can look at students getting the top marks and try to emulate and copy what they're doing and it can actually have a negative effect on you because you just don't work that way. You don't work the same way as someone else. A comparison is the thief of joy. Said it, yeah. Like uh, the first thing I would recommend for any student is actually think about themselves. Yeah. Like if you're the type of person who can't focus when their phone's in the room, but you still have it there, like you're just kidding yourself. You have to start thinking what what do I work best under? Like if that's sitting outside and working in a slurry pit that's 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 your business that's your grind if you you have to know yourself if you're the type of person who needs to write down everything and just learn by repetition that's your way you have to start being honest with yourself on what circumstances you work best under if that's a time limit pressure where you've got 30 minutes and then you give yourself that five minute test at the end of it that's your way like what i recommend is the human mind can't can't focus for long periods of time without breaks. Like on average, this, a 17-year-old will concentrate for a period of seven to 14 minutes. That's the max they can focus on. I said that works for I'm 20. I said that works for 28-year-olds as well. <laughs> I think it gets it, it gets worse as we get older. Uh, <laughs> but you have you have to make sure that for that period of time I'm focused. So like if you use there's a like there's there's apps you can use where you can block off uh, say Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat on your phones that you block it off for 30 minutes. And if you're the type of person who's addicted to these apps, your reward is that five-minute break at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But it has to be timed. You put that time limit on yourself that I'm going to blast away for 30 minutes, and that's what I'm going to do. But if you are, say, the type of person who thinks they can multitask, I can promise you, you are never as productive as if you're just doing one job at one time. Like You can't have... 50 tabs open your laptop because you're looking at 50 different things. You're not getting that productivity. You have to be focused on one thing. And if you give yourself that time, I'm going to work on this job, then you're going to be most effective. I think even what you said about the computer, your computer isn't as effective with 50 tabs open. So 
you're not going to be effective as a figure of speech with 50 tabs open in your head, trying to do three, four, five different things. It just slows the process down, you know, and I think, as you say, even thinking about that, and it's very easy to make excuses to say, oh, no, this is the way I work best. No, no, I always done it this way. It's very easy to kind of, you're the easiest person to fool. So I think trying to fool yourself is a downhill spiral to just not being productive. I guess, again, it's that, that thing, getting to know yourself first of all, and then find out what best for you. So using this time, that is extra time. This is bonus time that you now have to actually say, okay, this is the best way I work. And if you found that way already, great, best of luck to you. But if you haven't, and I think the majority of us don't have it. Mm-hmm try and use this time to focus on what works best for me. And that's from my own point of view. Like, I'll never tell Andrew, you need to study, should be studying all it. Because I, to be honest, I never did. But I regret it in a way because when I went to college, I actually didn't know what worked for me. And I spent half my college trying to figure out all this stuff that I should have figured out when I was doing my leaving cert. And it's not just for exams. If you get into the mindset of, this is what I need to do for the next half an hour, and then I get my reward when I get it done. And that just goes into everyday life. It just becomes part of your mindset of it's kind of all or nothing for this time. And then I can get my reward. Like you are far more productive for that half hour than you would be for doing half ass for three hours. Yeah. Quality over quantity a lot of times when it comes to this stuff. Always, always. And it's interesting when you say you kind of went to college and didn't know what worked for you because I don't know, I think you did uh, engineering. Yeah, yeah. As, as, a, as a course so if you like, I'm wondering did you pick that course because of a certain thing you learned in sixth year or did you pick that course because your friends were going that way or I picked that course because it was 2009 I came out and there was no apprenticeships going I probably would have took all I wanted to do was kind of manufacturing and then I kind of fell into engineering because I thought the closest thing to manufacturing in college was mechanical engineering. Because every college I went to, I explained what I was looking for. Oh yeah, this this is what you're looking for. This is what you want. Sign up to this course and it's, it's loads of practical. Now yeah. you realize there's an hour of practical a week. So, yeah, you're being, you're, you're, being, you're being sold. Yeah, I basically told them what I wanted and they were like, yeah, okay, we can give you that. And I just, every year I kind of just went on and ended up with a degree in mechanical engineering without really taking the time out to question did I want to be an engineer I kind of stumbled through the whole lot of it I describe it as my starting point was I want to work in manufacturing and now for anybody that knows mechanical engineering it's not that far away but Mm. I work with my hands element of it and as I became an engineer it was more the computer side of it the CAD the design of it so I kind of had my starting point of where I wanted to go and then it got lost and then I just took whatever was given to me after that. I just stumbled across. It's, it's interesting when you, when you speak like that, it sounds like you didn't really look at your choices at that age. I didn't, I didn't look, I don't even know, I can't, to be honest, and this is no word of a lie, I can't even remember filling out a CEO form. I, think okay. I obviously did, but I, I'd say I put two or three things on it, max. At the minute now, if you're a sixth year and you're looking at what course choices you can do or what apprenticeships you're going to go into or if you're going to study abroad, there's now that extra time where you can think about it. Yeah. And filling out the CAO is a very simple process. You've got 20 choices. You've got 10 on your level 8 and you've got 10 on your level 6 and 7. At the minute, the dropout rate last year for the for first year, either doing a level 6 and 7, was actually 30%. Like People do not fill out their CAO correctly and it's the 
simplest mistake anyone can make. Like you have 20 choices. Why wouldn't you fill them up? And why wouldn't you spend your time researching about what course that would suit you? Because if you're the type of person who loves sports, you might like playing sports, but you mightn't like coaching. A lot of sports courses, if you actually delve into them, they're not about sport, they're about business. You have to make sure that you do, it's something I call the 80% test. It's where you get the course, you look at the modules, which are like the subjects you do in school. And if you like 80% of those modules, you will like the course. If you don't like 80% of those modules, why would you spend two to four years of your life doing that course? This is the time that you can use, that's extra time that's been given to us by this unprecedented situation that you can spend researching stuff that you will spend the next two to four years of your life doing because it's going to be you that's doing it. So why wouldn't you try and do something you actually like? And I think that's exactly what happened to me. Like I went in mechanical, mechanical engineering for that two hours or one hour a week off workshop so i presume if i had done something like that it definitely wouldn't have told me to do engineering thank you if you look at the amount of people who do engineering but they don't like maths yeah and they realize that jesus have to do 30 hours of maths a week and they're miserable and they hate it and why would you put yourself in that situation when you now have the choice of actually picking what you want to do like if you don't like maths why would you want to work with something where you know 60 percent of your time is spent on maths so Bringing it back to now, someone filling out their CEO form, what should they be looking out for? What should they be doing? Or what tips would you have to be able to guide them and help them? It's, uh, on the CEO, well, how I would fill it out is, and how I tell my students to fill it out is, your top three are your dream courses. Like, so if you got given this option, I'm going to go down in the morning, I'm going to do this course, your top three, you pick it. From then down, from four down to, we'll say seven, are your realistic courses where I'm going to get these courses if I work hard and I do the work and that's it. And then the last amount of course you put down are something I call your bankers. That no matter what happens, that if you get shot on the way in to do the exam, you are going to get this course. That's it. So you, when you get your offers, because when you get your offers on CEO day, you get two offers, one from your level eight and one from your level six and seven, and you have to choose. So make sure that you have those offers because unfortunately I deal with it year in, year out for students who don't fill out their CEO completely and maybe they had a bad day in Irish or they had a bad day in in, uh, in maths, they don't get an offer. And because they didn't fill out their CEO correctly, you have to make sure that you fill out every single option that you have. It's like, it's it's free money. It doesn't cost you anything else to yeah. fill out anything. It, it's, it, once you pay your money for the CEO, you can fill no options or you can fill 20. Mm-hmm. So again, one to three is your dream courses. From four to seven is your realistic courses. And then from seven to 10 is your bankers. Those are the courses you're definitely going to get. When it's put like that, it makes so much sense. But I'd say, even from your point of view, looking out, if you see people filling out your CEO forms, they probably just get bored after four and they're like, oh, well, that's it. I'll just throw them down and I'll get one of them, I'm sure. And, and it's great. It, like it's great if you get if you get offered then one to four if you get offered that's fantastic but what happens if you don't what happens at the point you jump up what happens if you don't fill out the minimum entry requirements properly because if say you wanted to do engineering in tu dublin and you need honors maths at a h well let's say a h5 and you get a h6 you can't get into that course even if you get 800 points yeah like, it's just, again, it's making sure that you fill out every option to you. Like, it's a sorry mouse that relies on one hole. Yeah. Give yourself the option. I think that give yourself the option, you know, do it for yourself and get best that you can get out of the form. For people that 
don't necessarily want to go to college and are in this time, because I'm sure some people are like, oh, I just want to do an apprenticeship, or I just want to do this, that, or the other. What advice would you have for them now to give them some structure? Because they're going to have to say it at some stage. Well, I would say you still keep going as if you're going to sit the exam. You get the best results you possibly can, because later down the line, you never know when you're going to need your leave and start. If you're going to do an apprenticeship, one thing all apprenticeships look for is your level of maths. Like, if you are going on to do, say, be a chippy or go be a sparky, you need that level of maths. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking of going into an apprenticeship in regards to accountancy, which you can do now, like, it's still a wonderful option, but you will still need your leaving cert. The only way you get a trade and, say, just have your junior cert is that you know the person that's taken you on or you have a family connection. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will need good grades. You will need good references. Like the ESB is one of the hardest. The ESB apprenticeship for being an electrician is one of the hardest things to get into in this country. You have thousands of applicants each year. They look for a certain level of maths. They look for references. Mm-hmm. So, just because you have an apprenticeship, it doesn't take away the fact that you're going to do a leaving cert. Like for example, Mark Riley, one of the best footballers Cavan has ever produced, mm-hmm. did an apprenticeship and then went back to college. Like, just because you think you want to do something at 17, you think you've got your life set out for the next three, four years. After that, you want to make sure you've got all the best options. You want to have the nice car, the nice house, the, mm-hmm. the options. And having a leaving cert that is the best you can do is a stepping stone towards that. And that's all the leaving cert is. It's just simply a stepping stone. And making sure that you have, say, if you've got your CAO filled out correctly, if you have the apprenticeship that you want lined up, if you have a PLC as a backup, a post-leaving cert course, that's great. If you're deciding you want to study abroad, you want to go to Europe, you make sure that you have all your options covered because it's not your parents that's going to do this. It's not your guardian. It's not your, your cousins, your friends. You are the person that's going to be sitting in this classroom for this period of time or on that work site or this building site. You're the person that's going to be there. So make sure you make it the best situation possible for yourself. Yeah. Completely. I think just when you said that with the PLC, like I think people think that from college, from school, you go straight to college and then you just pass all your exams and then you just party all the time. Like I think that was the biggest shock for me when I went to college. I realized, oh, you actually have to pass exams and you actually, it's not just about going out. So I think the leave insert, like I have a love hate relationship, as I said before, with the leave insert, but I think the one thing it does teach and it's a bit like what we discussed is that accountability for something coming up it's that accountability okay this is the end product which is the leaving cert exams you have to work and plan and put a process in place to get there and that's the same whether you're playing sport or in business or anything you have a deadline take sport for example you have a championship coming up you still need to put a process in place, a plan in place, find out what works for you, find out what doesn't work for you, you know, give up that time. It teaches you so many skills that's not just for the leaving cert, around time management, knowing yourself, you know, taking a bit of pride in your work and taking a bit of pride in yourself. So I think for someone that's kind of dismissive of the leaving cert, it teaches you a lot more than just sitting one exam at the end of it. And the leaving cert is simply a stepping stone. Mm. like it's not the be all it's not the end all 
So if you decide you want to do a PLC, you want to take a year out, you decide you want to work for a year, if you make sure that you have all that comfort before you sit it, mm-hmm. you're, you're set up. You're putting yourself in the best situation possible. There's many a person who doesn't know what they want to do at 17 or 18, or many women who don't know what they want to do at 17, 18. So they decide to take a year out. So if you have a PLC lined up and take that year where you're that extra year mature and then you apply to go to college or then you apply for an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. that's a success. Yeah. Like we have to think about what our definition of success actually is. Say, for example, in my own family, uh, my sister got uh, over 500 points but missed out on her first choice by five points. Mm-hmm. But my brother, who wanted to be a welder, needed five passes and got his first choice. Yeah. He reached his definition, definition of success. My sister didn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean my sister did a bad leave insert. It doesn't mean my brother did a, a good leave insert. It does only such a thing as an appropriate leave insert for what you want. And I think people, that, that's a really, really good point to be touching on. And again, it goes back to the comparison as a thief of joy. If you don't want or need 600 points, just because you got, you know, 200 points doesn't mean that you need to look at the person that got more than you and go, oh, they're better than me. It's what you define as success. And that's a perfect example of your, of your brother. You know, he's happy and he got his success. So that's relevant to him. Everybody has different, even the word success, everybody has so many different meanings for success. Like, uh, the national average for points back in 2018 was 250. You only ever hear about the people in the media who get over 600 points or who fail. There's this huge cohort in the middle that's never talked about. And on average, most people will end up in between either 200 and 500 points. They'll be somewhere in the middle right there. And this is so it's important that we make sure that they get all their options covered. They get their, their, their day in the sunlight. They need to be spoke about as well. Yeah, it's it's not fair just to concentrate on the people who fail or the people who get over six hundred points. I guess just say, for example, if you have a student who wants to do an apprenticeship and decides, I want to be a, a block layer, I want to be a, a, a brickie, because they get their pass, they get into that thing, they've made themselves, they got, they've reached their definition of success. Like I'm comparing a brickie to somebody who wants to become a teacher. The difference in those four years of training is around one hundred and twenty thousand euro to the brickie, like. When I became a teacher, I had to pay my fees, I had to pay my rent, I had to pay my uh, my car, all of that paid up. I was in debt leaving college. Yep. However, if you went and trained to be a brickie, you got your apprenticeship wage, which goes up every every phase. Eh, then they're getting higher wages. They are still getting a college experience as well because they have to do their phases in college. Mm-hmm. They are in a better place financially than someone who wants to be a teacher. And people say an apprenticeship is the easy option. No, no, it is not. It is what is appropriate for that person. And I think that's a great example because I think people that feel the need to go to college to be anywhere successful or the need to go to college to be comfortable financially in life or because in school, I feel more so as you get older, you realize the way things are and that's not the case. But I think in school, if you're not going to college, you're not quote unquote successful as I know and you know uh, and what you realize fairly quickly when you get out into the working world that is definitely definitely not true again I'll go back to the the idea if you become doing a doing an apprenticeship and you get your you get your trade you are I've got something called qualified craft person status so say for example you're a chippy 
if you want to travel to Australia, to New Zealand, to go to America, you've got four years experience backed up. You've got your qualification. However, if you went and just did a business degree because you wanted to open business and you didn't really check it out and you hated the course, but you still stuck it out, who's in a better situation? I think, again, I think this whole conversation, I think whether it's, it's your study or what you want to do after school, I think it's really important to take a bit of time to sit down and ask yourself the questions of what is success to me? What do I want my life to look like in five, ten years' time? You know, and don't get caught up on what other people's doing. Kind of put the blinkers on and focus on, okay, if, if nobody could see what I was going to do, what would I do in five years' time? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do this because what would x y and z thinking or i wouldn't be quote unquote successful if i done this job like trust me if there's leaving starts listening to this, trust me the happiest people i know are doing jobs at the low a great way to think is like if you don't know what you want to do start off with what would i do for free yeah what would i do for free because i absolutely love doing it then link that and if you still don't know what do you actually hate mm. Like, if I have students come in the door and they say, I absolutely hate maths, I absolutely hate working with people, I absolutely love working with people, then you actually start to get a paint a picture of what they'd actually like to do once they go on, if that's an apprenticeship, if that's studying abroad, if that's going to college. Like, what do you actually hate doing? Mm-hmm. And then imagine you're doing the 80% test. Well, I hate working and speaking in front of people. Why would you pick a course that has modules in that? Yeah. It all comes down to knowing yourself and actually spending that time and think about it. What would I actually like to do? And I think if you don't know, you know, I'd like to do this, but I've absolutely no clue of how I would even go about it. Reach out, you know, to the likes of yourself or to career guidance in the school or ask the questions. Don't just presume yourself that, oh, there's no way of doing it or that wouldn't work. Like, ask the questions, get the help. The hardest thing to do is just ask the question. Yeah. And then if you talk to someone who actually knows what we're talking about, say someone messaged me on Instagram on Friday Career Guidance and say, I've no idea how to get into uh, becoming a teacher mm-hmm. or becoming a doctor. And they're asking me, I can send them links or I can send them information or I can arrange a consultation. And that way they've got answers. Like if you're thinking for six months, oh, well, like maybe I'd like to work in a gym, but you don't know how to do it. That's six months of you asking or asking yourself and thinking, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. But if you actually ask the person who knows what I'm talking about, and that could be their own career guidance counselor, that could be someone who works in the field already, ask the question. Mm-hmm. Like anyone who does a job will tell you about that job. Like the best way someone get experience is actually do a day's work in that field. I think that's a massive thing just when you do say it. People, you know, talk about, oh, I'd like to do this job or I'd like to do that job. But find some way of, you know, seeing what it's like. Because from the outside, sometimes jobs can look very different to what the day-to-day basis is. You know, like I'm sure people that work in a gym, you might love going to the gym, as you, you know, you were kind of saying this earlier. You might love going to the gym but you might necessarily like training people, you know, because there's two they're very, very different things. So you could spend a long time trying to get into a gym and then get into it and get a job and realize, oh, I actually just like going to the gym and doing my own thing. And I thought I'd love it. This is one way that uh, even in 10 years, in 10 years ago, this wasn't available. If you go into YouTube and you Google, or so you just type in a day in the life of any career, you can find it. A day in the life of an engineer, a day in the life of a business grad, a day in the life of a teacher, a day in the life of a 
anything and it comes up. So often I will say, listen, go onto YouTube, go on your phone, put on your headphones, a day in the life of a brickie. Mm-hmm. It's there. And you can actually see what it's like. You can, you can put a comment in the comment section. You can ask. Like, it's so, there's so much information out there and it's overwhelming at times. I can understand that. It's knowing where to actually go and asking the right people. But imagine if you had a day in the life of a, of a somebody who works in a gym or owns their own gym and they spent 30% of their time cleaning. They might know that. They might know that. Like if you decided you wanted to be a hairdresser, but you didn't realize half the time you had to spend so much time sweeping up hair. It's not just doing hair dye or, or sick fades. It's uh, like so much of your time in jobs, you don't actually realize what you're spending it on. And I think people might love doing hair, but a part of hairdressing, a massive part of hairdressing is a personality thing and, you know, talking and dealing with the customers. And you might just love doing hair, which absolutely hate dealing with people. So then you have to ask yourself, you know, where do you stand in that situation? Or is there another career that you can kind of work without having to do that? If you don't like small talk, you're going to find it hard to work in that type of situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the biggest thing for a hairdresser is the small talk. For barbers, anyway, the small <laughs> <Absolutely>. talk. <laughs> the weather uh, chat. I tell you, at this stage, I'm really missing my barber as well. <laughs> I put up a picture the other day of my hair, and my, the lad that cuts my hair was just, I'd say, he was just thinking of the tips. By the time I get back in, I was alone with fortune when he gets the razor to this. You'll have to book in for the day. Yeah, <laughs> cancel all your appointments, I'm coming in. Uh, but it's, it's interesting now, at this time, it's a hard time for leaving starts. It really is. It's, it's unprecedented situations. However, you gain nothing from stressing out complaining and like you can't change it unfortunately and it's not a nice thing to have to say you can't change this what you can do is make it actually work to you you can use that time for research into yourself use that time to catch up on stuff you might have missed out like for some students who maybe haven't opened a book yet you are getting an extra two three months to get ahead of themselves Mm -hmm. i remember i had a student come to me previously it came to me in may and said listen i haven't started studying yet is it too late i'm like no if you start studying now, it's a month extra than you would have had if you didn't done nothing. Like it's never too late to start. Like I often have people come to me that want to change careers, and it's never too late. The oldest person I'd ever come to me to change career was in their fifties, and they changed career. So that, that's not just leaving their students. This is across the board. Like, I think what we've discussed about and a lot of the topics we've touched on, you know, whether it's about finding your definition of success whether it's we're talking about putting plans in place and controlling the controllable and finding jobs that you like, that kind of stuff applies across the board. You know, we're talking about it in terms of the leaving cert now because of all that's going on. Absolutely. We could have easily flipped this conversation to a 27, 28-year-old that wants to change career that is looking basically like the leaving certs are, what they would like to do for the rest of their life or different areas that they'd like to go into and work in. So it's the same thing, just 10 years down the line. And it's, unfortunately, it's the exact same answer as well. It's getting to know yourself and knowing your options. Yeah. Now, it is a, probably a bit more stressful if you're 30 years old, you have a mortgage or you have kids or you have a relationship and all that built up. But it doesn't mean you can't do the steps we talk about, that you can research, that you can talk to the right people, that you can see options. Now, for example, I speak about my own mother in this situation. She went back to education two years ago to do a springboard course because she thought she might want to work in another another situation. And a springboard course is actually government funded. It's free to do in the evenings. 
and that's available for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like all these options are open. It's just knowing where to go. And on that point, which is a really good point, knowing where to go. If there is people listening to this and they're like, well, I'd like to do this, but I've actually no clue where to start. Where can they find you, as you were saying, even to message them or for send them on or to get that little piece of information that might help them get onto a track of where they want to be? What's the best place to find you? Uh, well, on either Instagram, Twitter, Gmail, uh, uh, Facebook, it's just Farley Career Guidance and it comes, comes right up. Like, send a message, get in contact, and I'd love to talk to anyone. One of the best parts of my job is actually talking and working with people. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that is looking, I will put the links to your Instagram, your Facebook, and stuff in the bio below. So if you want to just go and take a look at that, it's always worth asking the questions. So, Joseph, just before we finish up, what kind of advice would you give? I know we discussed a lot, but just kind of summarizing a small bit to the Leaving Certs now that are in this current situation, what advice would you give them? Start researching yourself. Okay, what works for me? What do I want to do? What do I like doing? What do I hate doing? Then put small goals in place. Don't worry about the Leaving Cert in June or August because there's no date given, but worry about tomorrow. How much can I study tomorrow? How much can I actually get away with? How much... What activities can I do that's going to benefit me most? Then, okay, once you've taken care of tomorrow, you do the exact same thing the next day. Okay, get a pen and paper out and start writing what their goals are for a leap for their subjects. So, for example, they need to make sure that they know that the course that they are going to apply for, say it's their CEO, it's their number one level eight, and they need a H4 in maths, and they got a H6 during the mocks. What do I need to do to get from H4, from H6 up to H4? Set that goal and actually write it down. There's nothing like a pen and paper for it. Think what you think. Absolutely. Uh, then just in regards to stress and time management, for stress, only work at times where you set out. So, for example, if you have a designated switch-off time, we say, I'm not going to work past 8 o'clock because at 8 o'clock I love to throw on Netflix. That's your time. That's for you. Okay, make sure you stick to that point. But that also means you have to have that discipline where I'm going to start at this time and I'm going to do 30 minutes on a subject I absolutely hate. Stick to that. Okay, 30 minutes, be as productive as you possibly can during that 30 minutes, then take your five minutes. Your sleep is another thing that's going to be very, very important. I recommend sleeping with your phone outside of your room I, because it's very, very easy to get lost in a YouTube hole and you went to bed. I'll benefit from that one. Absolutely. You, you go you go to you go to bed at eleven o'clock, you click into one YouTube video or one TikTok video or something, and then you're down a hole and you don't get to sleep till half one. If you leave your phone outside of your room, you don't have that. It's just that discipline and just know what works for you. You get your sleep, you get your water, you get your food in and stick to those goals you've set yourself, you'll be in a far better position. Come your CEO, your results day, trust me, you'll be in a better position. I think all of them things put in place no that you're doing the work, that you're putting the work in, that you're getting a process in place, all of that will increase confidence and decrease stress. So I think by doing all that, it's going to have massive knock-on effects on your time that you have to relax, on you know the time that you actually have off, knowing you have the work done. So I think them tips that you have to give them will massively benefit bigger overall picture of a lifestyle thing, which I think is very beneficial. I think one other point that's very, very important is that it's okay to be stressed. Complete, yeah, completely. It's absolutely fine to be stressed or to be annoyed at this entire situation. It is absolutely fine. In fact, if you weren't stressed or annoyed at this situation, 
with your leaving search year or changing careers or any of this, you wouldn't be normal. It's okay. And you give yourself a bit of a break when you do feel 100%. them days where things aren't going right. We all have the days where one day is harder than another day. You know, you might look at other people and think everybody's handling it so well, but everybody has the days where they're just not feeling it. It's getting a bit on top of them. And that's okay too. You know, don't think that you're the only person that is feeling like this. You have 60,000 people doing the leaving search, 60,000 different emotions of different people. So you're not to think that you're the only one feeling like this. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I'm sure you could have. Now, Joseph, <laughs> thanks a million for coming on the podcast. And I know for people listening to this from the tips that you gave, if they put that in place, they will get massive benefit from it. So genuinely really appreciate you giving up your time and coming on. No bother Tate, listen, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you want to find out more information about my Mindset for Performance programs, where I help you take your performance to the next level by working with you to put a plan in place. We look at goal setting, identifying key milestones and targets, obstacles and may occur, accountability, and overall help you build your confidence. Head over to my Instagram page at Killian Brady or KB underscore performance underscore coaching for more information. Until next time, keep moving forward.